Listener, this is a very different episode of the Anal Podcast. I would like to start with many trigger warnings. This episode has domestic violence, animal violence, suicidal thoughts, attempted murder, language, and intense emotion. Do not listen to this episode if you are depressed. Maybe come back much, much later. The number for the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline is 1-800-273-8255. Again, that's 1-800-273-8255. Listener, be warned. Welcome to a very special episode of the Anal Podcast, listeners. Today is not going to be a Wednesday one-on-one. It is going to be a monologue. Uh, a special end of 2020 edition where I am going to reveal the origin stories of the anal podcast for my listeners. 2020 has been a real bitch. Most of my audience knows why from the pandemic that was underplayed by the American federal government and still is to this very day to the social unrest, the institutionalized racism that caused so much unrest in our country. Unfortunately for me and many others, 2020 has been way worse than, than just the, the baseline for everybody. And as I tell this story, I understand that it is completely unbelievable. And you, my listener, I do not expect you to believe the, the craziness that I will unload in the next hour or so of content, maybe. But I think that it's important I think that it's important that people know how far your average American has been pushed this year. And when I say average American, I mean one without money in their bank account. I mean one that didn't have health insurance for months and months and requires a $1,500 shot to keep his own flesh from falling off his body in black sloths. But I'm getting ahead of myself. Uh, Let me dial down my emotion and tune in to my reality. Uh, 2020 is the bitch, but this story starts two weeks before 2020 actually got rolling. In December, the love of my life, uh, at the end of December, had came to me uh, and showed me the whistleblower content from the individual in Wuhan who was trying to alert authorities about how bad the pandemic was. And him and I started paying really close attention and started digging for, for details and doing math that even now we're still not hearing from our news media, from our elected officials. We knew what was coming, so we decided it would be a good idea to try to let people around us know, like, hey, this could probably get pretty bad. Now, I will admit it is much more slow burn than I could have ever imagined. I thought that things were going to escalate a little more quickly, but it didn't help because the people that I told around me were on a specific side of a political divide. And even to this day, I am looked at as a massacre. Where I live, it's almost easier to be called the faggot than it is to be looked at as a massacre and to be judged because I'm trying to protect those around me. It's insanity. So for months, literally almost a month and a half, me and the man I loved, tried hard to warn people and we were preparing how to stop people from trying to shake our hands before the snow started to fly last year and no one around believed it because what they heard on their selected news media denied it so they did too 
Uh, most of them have come around. I don't know how you could have 330,000 people in your country dead and decide not to believe reality. So that's when my divide between what is real started to blur. Because people's beliefs were so strongly tainting reality that it was affecting our country at large. So for months, I tried hard to talk to people and to get them to see and understand the real dangers and the real hazard of what could potentially be coming. I tried explaining to individuals that because of the entitlement of America, we are going to fail and we're all guilty. We're all guilty of it. At that point in my life, we had just started to come out of the 45 days of lockdown, being that me and the man that I loved were ahead of the game. We stayed locked down. We were prepared. And that was a very hard time being locked down for that long. Him and I cried together and we laughed together and we had fun and we had fights, but it was very difficult. Everybody knows. Yeah, you love the people you're with, but after 45 days of consistent interaction, you can use a break. Yeah, I get that. <laughs> but that's where things started to get really bumpy. We came out of the quarantine. Things got better. Uh, I was able to start doing little side jobs. We did get our $1,200 checks, and that did carry us through for a couple of months. Things just got so bad, there was, there was no money, and I had to pick up whatever I could do. And I did, I tried, I, I didn't make enough to survive, but I made enough to eat and that's, that's all that matters. And then something happened, betrayal. I've never experienced a true betrayal before. And this affected me so badly. It affected everyone so badly. And I can't use names, I'm not going to, because there's still trials and things that need to be done. But I'm going to tell my listener what happened and it ripped the veil from my eyes and allowed me to see through the glasses that allowed me to love the people in my life and see all of their massive failures for what they were. The day after my birthday, a really good friend of mine called. She'd recently been through a pretty rough breakup. Uh, the situation was pretty surreal. And she had called me and asked me to go fishing. And I was busy trying to make money. And I love to go fishing with her. It's, it's a fun time. So I said, you know what? I can't, really can't. It's not working. And she called my partner and seen if he could go. And he was busy too. And I'm not sure who else she called. But not going on that fishing trip was a huge regret for me. I know I wouldn't have been able to change anything. But not being able to go is a regret I will have forever. The next morning, I went out to do a job, and my brother was there helping. We got a phone call from his wife. She had called to let us know that a friend of ours, one who we all trusted and cared about, and even loved, a lot of us loved him, had taken an and buried it in the forehead of the friend that we also loved and cared about. I don't know if anyone has ever had an attempted murder in their friends group, but boy will I tell you, it fucks things up bad. <laughs> 
She did survive. It's a miracle. It is. The made it inches into her brain. She made it, and she's doing okay. I just checked in with her the other day, and she said it was a calm Christmas for her, and that she's doing pretty good. But that betrayal, it took the guys away from my eyes, and I could see through all of the things that people did to me that were shitty, and I just forgave them because I loved them. And I found that I couldn't do that anymore. I couldn't forgive anyone. The betrayal was too deep. I just waited for it. Who's next? Who will betray us next? Didn't take long for me to find out. But we'll get there. A very dear friend of mine who I am very eager to have on the show someday because she is a wealth of knowledge and information, was one of the only people who I, I could talk to because she was removed from the situation. And it's hard to talk to your friends about your emotional turmoil when they're all experiencing the same thing. You can't vent to people who need to vent about the same thing too. It seems all you can do in that situation is you get together and you cry. And we did, we all did. I still shed tears because of what happened. I still sometimes don't believe it. It's just so surreal. And then I think to myself, what about her? How do you go on living after something like that happens to you? How can you look at the world and trust anyone or anything ever again? It didn't happen to me. It happened around me. And I can't trust anything or anyone ever again. And that was just the start of it. And it, it, gets, it gets a little worse for me. So that incident happened. Um, I will speak to the individual who it happened to. And with her permission, I will link her GoFundMe page in the show notes. Um, but I believe that she may want to keep her anonymity uh, for the time being. When she does... Uh, give me permission, I can link that in the show notes. So at this point in June, I am not handling things very well because I am looking at individuals in my life that I care about, and I am slowly coming to realize that they are racist, that they are prejudiced, that they are bigoted. And if they're not those things, then they just have to be ignorant. They just have to be so fucking stupid that they don't understand what's happening. Now, I know to change the subject from attempted murder to politics is kind of a big swing. But at this particular juncture, I live in an area that is redneck. Take that word however you want. Hillbillies, Trump supporter, anti-masker, QAnon believer, time traveler, Baron, the people I find myself around, I believe, have found it easier to believe a delusion that they can handle as opposed to the fact that 330,000 Americans have died to something they choose not to believe in. The straw that broke my camel's back, given the stress, the nightmares, the fear, 
that I was experiencing, not just because of the pandemic, but because of attempted murder. Because I've realized that the people around me only need me when they want something from me. I don't hear from the people until they need something. And it's a harsh reality that I've come to realize is absolutely true. But my phone don't ring unless someone wants something. There are three individuals in my life who do check out on me and do call me just to see how I am and just to catch up. And those people know who they are. And thank you. You're a saving grace in my life. My brother has come to me a lot to talk about a lot of things, and I have a background in psychology. So to listen isn't a big deal for me. I, I know how to listen. I, I listen very well. And uh, a very special promise existed between the two of us that if and when I needed to talk about something, he was always there. Well, something came that I needed to talk to him about. And I did. And for the first time in my life when I needed to call in that favor, when I needed to call in the I need to talk, I need you to listen, and I need you to understand, his first response was, we can't talk about this anymore. Now, unfortunately for him, because of the betrayal that the people around me have suffered, he was the last person I had that I could talk to. And that was ripped away because of the political division in our country. The thing I wanted to talk to him about that day is why I found his Trump paraphernalia kind of offensive. And I tried to explain to him why to me, someone with a Trump sign tells me they're either a racist, a bigot, or ignorant. Now fortunately for me, it came down to ignorance. But that day, I read him a list of all of the things that the Trump-Pence administration had actively done to the LGBT community. Things that his appointee, such as Betsy DeVos, has perpetrated against trans students in this country. And he felt so attacked by the list I read that he broke the most important promise that my existence hinged on at the point in time. It was too much. It was too much to bear. I was finally revealed to be the man alone on an island. The faggot in the middle of red that everyone just tolerated and didn't take the time to understand. And that hurt me so much. And I was so devastated. I didn't know what to do. My partner, he, he tried his best. But I'm a very emotional person. I'm a very loud and powerful person when my feelings are involved. And he tried his best. So I decided that I didn't want to live anymore in a world where I was so by myself and even where the man I loved didn't know how to help me. So I decided that I was going to end it. It was a snap decision. And... I got in a vehicle, and I picked a spot that would end it, and I proceeded to the route. The whole time, I was hysterical. I couldn't stop crying. I couldn't stop screaming. I felt like at the end, it felt over. <laughs> Just thinking about that moment, I was so far gone. <laughs> 
There was no hope for me or this country or this world or our children. Everything was just so broken. And there was no way to fix it. So I had made my decision. While I was driving, my phone connects to the radio because it's plugged in. And it started playing a podcast, one that I enjoy a great deal. I listen to it every week. And in their intro, every week, they give out the number for the suicide hotline. And when my phone switched to that program, they, they gave me the number. And I called it. So I would like to take this moment in my emotional distress to thank Jerry and Tracy Polly of Hillbilly Horror Stories. Because of them, I had the phone number I needed at the exact moment I needed it. And I called. What was said on the phone doesn't really matter. Because at the end of the day, I didn't do it. I was close. It was so close. And I came back home to the man I loved, and I apologized for him for being so selfish for what I was thinking about doing. Because it wasn't, I didn't think about him. It was just me. It was just selfish me. And I was done. I was done being betrayed. I was done being hurt. I was done being misunderstood and unwanted. It was just done. Jerry and Tracy Polly, you guys had that phone number right where it needed to be, exactly when it needed to be. And I called it. Over the next couple months, I was a shattered person. I, I blocked my own memories from myself. I, I couldn't remember things that hurt me. And through hard work with my therapist and with John and Jared and Mike of the podcast. They helped talk me through thousand hours of senseless mania while I scribbled in my notebooks all my insane ideas that they assured me weren't insane. They were good ideas, they were just too big. They helped me put myself back together. And if you've listened to the show from the beginning, you will have heard me say that they helped me put back the structure inside myself that defines who I am. And, and they did. Through that process, a new American legacy was born. And quite frankly, whenever I realized the anagram was anal, I couldn't change the name. It was just too perfect for me. So uh, the anal podcast was born. And for the last three and a half, four months, I have really tried hard to put out good content from the people around me, from people I know who are good and have good things to say and good ideas. And we may not be right all the time, but our ideas are out there. And when I made this podcast, I never thought anyone would listen. And I am truly surprised by the amount of listeners that I already have. So if you are a listener, I thank you. I am sorry for using the podcast as an emotional dumping ground today, but it's my show. I can do what I want. The next thing, the next layer of betrayal that I suffered further broke me. And I don't think most people realize how bad, but to 
give you a little bit of background. An ex-boyfriend of mine lives just down the road, and he has a dog. The dog was never my dog, it was never our dog, but I love that dog. She is a good dog, and when he works, I would take care of her, and then he got a new boyfriend, and she was taken care of, so she wasn't so much my dog anymore. But I had known her for years, and my other pets have known her. Well, for the first time in months uh, since the attempted murder, we had decided to get together, the four, th four of us. Um, and the man that I loved uh, had to step away. He went to go get us some food. And while he was gone, the dog that I cared about and trusted decided that it was time to grab a hold of my cat and rip his leg off. Unfortunately, she was a pit bull. And when she got a hold of him and started shaking, she couldn't let go. I just wanted my cat. I've had him for 15 years. He's my bub. And I just wanted to get him out of her mouth. And the owners of the dog knew that she wasn't going to let go. So they just kept screaming, kill her, kill her. You have to kill her or she won't let go. And then I realized something about myself. Something that was very painful. I thought many times. How could he do that to her? I seen the love in his eyes for her when they were together. How could they how could he have done that? And oh here I am choking a dog that I love to death trying to kill her to save my cat. And I realized all it takes for me to kill something I love is to have something I love more be put in danger by it. And that broke me. And I never wanted to think I was capable of hurting anything or anyone I loved, and I proved myself wrong by trying to save my cat. Max did survive. He's my three-legger now. He gets along pretty good. He hates the snow because he drags his face in it, but uh, my neighbors did the right thing. They took the cat to the vet and everything was taken care of everything was amicable but it didn't change the fact that I now knew all I had to do to be able to kill something I love is have it put something else I love more in danger that was very difficult for me I, I struggled with that for a very very long time and over the next couple weeks Max had gotten an infection and he had almost died a couple times, but he did survive. Uh, that was just another layer of emotional torment with the betrayal. And then I find, well, it's, it's easy for me to betray something. You just got to hurt something I love and then I'll betray this shit right out of you. Was not, that was not an easy revelation for me to handle. And still to this day. It bothers me that I was able to do it. Those of you listeners that have listened to the early episodes of the show have had the opportunity to hear the man I love on the podcast. Unfortunately for me, he left me. During my time of crisis, he had sought solace in the local church. He was convinced that living in our homosexual relationship was going to lead his soul to eternal damnation and was convinced to pack up everything he owned and head to conversion camp so that he can go get a wife and some kids just like God wants him to. Needless to say, my devastation is still palpable. 
And for our listeners, there are only a few states in the country of America that have illegalized conversion therapy. So keep in mind that when you look at your neighbor's kid who may have some tendencies, that those parents are well within their right to ship him off to a church to be physically and mentally tortured out of same-sex attraction. That's legal in our country. How are we in 2020? How are we in 2020 and conversion therapy is still an acceptable practice in the greatest nation? Fortunately for me, he did not go through with the conversion therapy. I've convinced him to talk to the people around him and he realized that the church was leading him astray, leading him away from who he was. Unfortunately for me, through the process that he went through healing himself, he realized that he doesn't love me. So I got to experience my first Christmas after having a family for years, not having my family anymore. That was the hardest couple days of my life. It's not easy when you really realize how alone you just truly are. Yeah, you might have people around you, but that doesn't mean you're not alone. If you, listener, still have your person to love and hug and hold and smother their face in kisses, do it. Do it hard and long. Tell them how you feel because you're three days from church exposure away from having them walk out of your life. It's all it took, three days of the church berating him for him to walk out on our life together. And as I sit here wallowing in my own self-pity, I think to myself, how easy I got off. He just packed up and left. He could have picked up at any time. He could have betrayed me that bad. What room do I have to complain whenever my heart's just broke? My face isn't split in half. I don't have any room. Nobody does. No one. Now I know that this isn't our normal upbeat and perky episode, but this is my 2020 wrap up. 2020's been a real fucking bitch and I am done with it. I have been hurt and broken and betrayed and violated and made to feel ashamed and called a faggot. I am done with this year. And I know that in a few days when the clock strikes midnight, it's not magically gonna all be better. But I choose for me that at midnight, I'm gonna let go of 2020 and let it be the year that never was and let the pain go, let the betrayal go and let the hurt go and work at being better in 2021. I thank you for joining me on this very special episode of the Anal Podcast. Hopefully my next year's wrap up will be full of joyful stories and happy tales and not of the misery that 2020 has brought for not only me, but our entire country. We're moving into probably the darkest time in American history. So just make sure that if you have your person and they still love you, that you smother them with all the kisses you have to offer so they know what's real and how you feel. 
If you're still with me, listener, I'm impressed. I know that was a lot to swallow, to believe, to understand. It is my life, and it is how the Anal Podcast came to exist. A special thank you to Jerry and Tracy Polly for their consistency in their message and making sure I had the phone number at the right place and time that I needed it. And again, the number for this National Suicide Prevention Lifeline is 1-800-273-8255. Again, 1-800-273-8255. 8255. If you think you need it, listener, call.